It's great to have you with us from wherever you're tuning in from. For more information about Elevate Church or to contact us, head to our website elevatechurch.me and take us wherever you go by downloading our Elevate Church AU app. We hope this message inspires and helps you to take your next steps in your journey. Hey, good morning. Great to have you here. You chose a fantastic Sunday, always a fantastic Sunday to be here. But this one in particular, new series alert uh, called True North. I want to jump right in. Let me throw a, uh, an image up at you. And uh, I want you to, you know, just don't call it out, but can anyone, we got the, can anyone guess? Does anyone recognize this? Anyone? Show of hands if you, if you recognize this. All the over 50s are like, Will this do? It's like, yeah, okay, I realize the, the shoulder's a little bit uh, stiffer than it used to be. This, uh, this is called an analog compass. It used to just be called a compass, but let's just differentiate. It's, a, it's an analog compass, which is uh, magically some sort of sorcery uh, powered by magnets. Now, the way this works, it's got north, south, east, and west, and everything in between, is uh, there's a needle on that, and you would point the needle in the direction that you want to go. Now, shouldn't come as much of a surprise to you to learn that the northernmost point on the planet is the North Pole. So, if you wanted to arrive at the North Pole, you would think that you would grab an analog compass, you would point the needle to north and then get moving. And if you stayed with that needle on your compass pointing to north, that eventually you would arrive at the North Pole. However, that's not true. Now, for the under 50s, let me go with another example. Those of you who have an iPhone, I don't understand how Android works, and I'm not dumping on you if you do, but I just because I use an iPhone, I understand how this works. In your iPhone, there is a Compass app. In the Compass app, you have to go into the settings, and you have to choose which north you want that Compass app to be calibrated towards. Because iPhone have realized that there are actually two norths. And so you have to intentionally choose which one you want to align your life with, align your app with. And by the way, it's true in your app and it's true in life that we have to choose which north. Because here's the difference. There is on our planet magnetic north, which is the iPhone's default, which is the analog compass's default, magnetic north, and then there is true north. Magnetic north resides somewhere in Arctic Canada. And it's magnetic north because underneath subterranean, there is a significant iron ore deposits which elicit a strong magnetic pull. So if you got your compass, or said differently, if you had two people who had an iPhone each, and one of them chose their settings on their Compass app, Magnetic North, the default, and the other intentionally chose that their Compass app was gonna go to True North. Those two people set off pointing their Compass app to North. They will eventually end up at two different places. One of them will end up at the North Pole. The other one will be lost somewhere in Arctic Canada at Magnetic North. 
And this is the reality with calibration. If you are just a little bit off, you might think to yourself, ah, it doesn't really matter. I mean, close enough is good enough, right? Well, no, because the longer you journey, the further off you will be. Let me give you another example. A lot of interest in space travel recently. Uh, Richard Branson uh, flew to nearly space. That's what the trolls called it, nearly space. Uh, Jeff Bezos flew to actual space. Um, Elon Musk is tomorrow, I think he's going to Mars for, for coffee. A uh, lot of interest in the big billionaires around uh, space travel. Let's suppose that one of them chose their next uh, mission, it's unlikely because it's been done before, to go to the moon, just for, just for whatever. They, their big brain engineers get the rocket, get on the launch pad, ready to go, some nufty miscalculates uh, in the computers and sets the trajectory of the rocket ship one degree off. Just one degree, right? I mean, close enough is good enough, right? Just one degree, not 45 degrees off, not 90 degrees off, this thing's just gonna skid across to the Philippines. No, no, just, just, one, just, just, just one degree off and poosh, off it goes. By the time that rocket has, has traveled the distance that you would be required to travel to get to the moon. Think of a number. Remember, they just started just one degree off. I mean, come on. Think of a number of how far, by the time they've traveled the distance, how far off the moonshot they are. Just think of a number. Just think of a number. And now I'm gonna tell you the number. Here's the number, the, num the answer of how far that rocket ship would be off. Remember, just one degree, 6,709.36 kilometers, or if you're listening from the US, it's 4,169 miles. Is that a long way? That's nearly twice the width of Australia. That's nearly twice the width of the USA. Just one degree off, but that's the reality. The further we travel, even just one degree off starts to matter more and more and more. So in our life, oh, you know, one degree off, it's only been a week, barely can notice. Well, sure, a year, the gap starts to become more obvious. A decade, several decades, the calibration of our lives matter. And by the way, here's another fun fact. Magnetic north actually shifts every year. Now, I'm guessing some of you are thinking, well, this is all mildly interesting, Mark, but I didn't come here for some sort of space exploration lesson. Uh, so what? And so what? That's a great question. It, well, so what? Well, here's the big idea of this series, that if you align your life with the magnetic pull of culture, you'll never end up at true north. And I wanna put it to us this morning that Jesus is true north and that unlike magnetic north, Jesus never changes and that our best play as followers of Jesus is to constantly evaluate are we 
aligned? Are we in every area or is there some area or areas that we might be one or more degrees off? And that's what this series is all about. This is about investigate and calibrate so that we can ultimately experience the results in our life that Jesus wants for us by ensuring that we're actually aligned with true north. Now, there's a lot of claims about who Jesus is in our culture, and many of them, not all, but many of them are actually inaccurate. And so rather than just kind of digest social constructs of who Jesus is, we're going to take over these next four weeks the truth of who Jesus is right from the horse's mouth. And as irreverent as it sounds, the horse in this example is Jesus, okay? And uh, he said a lot about who he was. Uh, we're gonna look at four of the key things that he said. Um, and I'm gonna work on the assumption that Jesus doesn't gaslight. So if he said something about who he was, that it's actually true and we can believe it and we can therefore confidently act on it. All right, so if you've got your Bible or your Bible app, uh, open that to John chapter 11. Now, those of you that don't have your Bible or a Bible or the Bible app, or you're just too lazy to grab it, that's okay. No judgment, well, minimal judgment. Uh, we're gonna be putting this stuff on the screens. But here's the backstory. John was one of Jesus' handpicked 12 followers, his closest followers. And John, therefore, had, a, had an eyewitness and an earwitness uh, front row seat to the things that Jesus did and the things that Jesus said. Now, John records, and he's unique among the four biographers of Jesus, John records seven statements that Jesus made about himself. And all of them start with, I am. And Jesus would declare these things, either he declared some of them to individuals, some of these to small groups, some of these to large groups, where he would, he would say to them, I am, and then he would insert a fill in the blank. He said seven things, we're gonna spend four weeks looking at four of them, starting with, the first one today. So John chapter 11, let's drop us in right at the beginning there, verse one. A man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. Now, we come to discover that this probably should say a man was extremely sick. This was more than just a head cold, okay? A man flu, which I know can be life-threatening. Uh, he was very, very sick. Now, in our day and age, if someone is very sick, we either rush them to some sort of medical assistance or we call the ambulance, so they rush them to some sort of medical assistance. And we don't know if Mary and Martha had that kind of support, medical support available to them. Whether they did or whether they didn't, they chose not to go down that route. In fact, they went down a very different route. Here's what they did. So the sisters, their brother was very sick, sent word to Jesus Master, the one you love so very much is sick. So they sent an envoy out to where Jesus was elsewhere to let them, him know that Lazarus, but this, is, this gives us a clue as just to how intimate Jesus and Lazarus' relationship was that they didn't even have to say his name. Just send word, just go and find Jesus and let him know that the one, doesn't Jesus love everyone? Okay, I haven't got time to unpack that. The one you love so very much is sick. Jesus would have known that they're talking about Lazarus. And so was this a, 
a dumb move or a pro move? Well, here we go. Jesus eventually gets the message, just a matter of, of you know, short, a number of hours. He got this message and Jesus, full of the Son of God, full of compassion and mercy and grace, as you'd expect, he, in response, did absolutely nothing. He was in the middle of something and he got this message and he just kept doing the thing that he was in the middle of. A couple of weeks ago, uh, I taught a message on perseverance and um, this, today's message is very much a companion to that message. So if you missed that, you can find that on any of our podcasts or on YouTube, just search Elevate Church Perth. You don't have to have FOMO. But one of the points we made is that Jesus, for whatever reason, although we've kind of talked about one of the reasons, but He doesn't always answer our prayers the minute that we pray them. And I wanna highlight that's because He's not a genie in a bottle. He's not the guy on the Tim Tams commercial. That said, when we understand that God is an expert in playing the long game, God's delays aren't necessarily God's denials. In the waiting, He's actually often doing something in you while He's preparing you for the thing He wants to ultimately do for you. Well, here we go. We fast forward, John's writing this account. When Jesus finally got there, He found Lazarus already four days dead. Now, John intentionally wrote this four days dead, which to the original audience, the Jewish people, they would have known exactly what this meant and why he inserted that. In the Jewish culture, they believe that when somebody dies, that their spirit actually hovers above their body for three days. And during those three days, anything could happen. They could get healed. They could get raised from the dead. There's still hope in that three-day window. But come day four, it's game over. The Spirit has left the building. So Jesus finally gets there after four days and everyone would have been thinking the exact same thing. Jesus, you're too Ever felt this way about something in your life? Looks like you might be gonna lose your job. You start praying to Jesus. Can you help me here, Jesus? And then you lose your job. Despite praying. Been working on your marriage and instead of it getting better, it's getting worse. Feels like day four. Maybe trying to turn your health around and you keep going to the doctor and they keep giving you the same scorecard. You feel like, well, it's, it just feels like day four. Like, what's the point? And if you ever found yourself feeling like something in your life is day four, you're not the first and you're not alone. In fact, Martha heard that Jesus was coming and went out to meet him. Mary remained in the house, all right. Martha said, uh, <clears throat> Master, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Now, full disclosure, I admire Martha's honesty. 
And chances are some of you might resonate with Martha. You know, you've lost something in your past and you've found yourself at different points thinking to yourself, if Jesus had been here, like I asked, when I asked, maybe I wouldn't be in this position. Maybe I'd still have that business. Maybe my kids wouldn't have walked away from Jesus. Maybe if you'd just shown up, maybe we wouldn't be in this financial hole. And it wasn't just Martha feeling this way. Mary came to where Jesus was waiting and fell at his feet saying, Master, if only you'd been here, my brother would not have died. And then there was the crowd. Others among them said, well, if he loved him so much, why didn't he do something to keep him from dying? After all, he opened the eyes of a blind man. This right here, there's two things. Number one, I want you to be honest with yourself right now. You ever seen somebody else get their prayers answered and you think, <laughs> I mean, he seems to be going around doing stuff for other people. What, what, what about me? I mean, come on. And then wondering if Jesus had have done something when I asked him to do, I wouldn't be feeling this pain like I feel in my present if he'd just shown up in my past. And so there we have Martha getting all up in Jesus' business. Then we have Mary getting all up in Jesus' business. Then we have the crowds muttering, oh, if he loved him so much. Sounds like Australians. Oh, if he loved him so much. So any guesses what Jesus, Son of God, full of grace, mercy, and compassion said next at the response to all these people? This is what he said. He said, yep, <clears throat> fair call. You're right, I'm, I'm, I'm sincerely sorry. I really, I really don't have a clue what I'm doing uh, in this sort of Son of God kind of job. Oh, sorry, that's fake news. Uh, Jesus said, your brother will be raised up. Well, what this statement makes no sense. Jesus, I don't think you can count, buddy. It's day four. He's D-E-D dead. But you know, possibly Martha might have thought that this is the sort of thing that well-meaning people say when you've lost something. Oh, come on. Maybe you'll find a better job. Well, you know, yeah, I mean, it's never happened to me, but I'm sure it sucks to be divorced, but there's plenty more fish in the sea. And when well-meaning people say that in the minute and the moment that you're experiencing pain, let's face it, you just wanna poke their eyes out. Thankfully, Mary understood the Jewish implications of this statement and thankfully, she didn't poke Jesus' eyes out. She said, well, yeah, I know that he'll be raised up in the resurrection at the end of time. which was like the G G Jewish theological kind of position of dead people all gonna get raised to life. I mean, sure, you know. Which, again, I think Mary's playing things real, real cool in this situation. She's been disappointed. She's already like, Jesus, if only you'd been here, but all right, okay. I've been disappointed in my past. Still a little bit ticked off, frankly. Uh, but all right, maybe I can just shift my focus to the future, a little bit of it anyway. 
and take some comfort in the hope that I have for my brother in the future. Which sounds great, right? I mean, come on. Mary had her, had her big girl pants on. But let's face it, real talk. When you've been disappointed in the past, even though you can kind of set some of your attention to hope in the future, you're still asking the question, who's gonna bring some comfort in the present? Because I mean, that whole in the future stuff, great, I look forward to it. But right now, can anyone help me with this, in this moment, today, right now? And Jesus clarified, no, 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 you don't have to wait for the end. I am right now resurrection and life. Huh? Ooh. Introduces a brand new concept. And by the way, church veterans, you go, oh yeah, we know that because he, 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 then he died on the cross and, and, th- and got thrown in a tomb and three days he rose again. And you know, that's what we do at Easter. We talk about that. Yeah, I know. That hadn't happened yet. This is not, this is like, and by the way, Jesus didn't say, I do resurrection and life. I will do some, re- I am going to be, re-. no, he actually said, I am resurrection and life. And then he asked her the million dollar question, which by the way, is true for Mary, Martha then, and that same question is true for us today. Do you believe this? And just to prove that he wasn't just kind of, you know, teaching Bible College 101 about resurrection, he decides he's gonna actually demonstrate it. So he calls, he, he, he decides he's gonna raise Lazarus up. So he calls for the, 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 the stone in front of Lazarus' tomb to be rolled away. And everyone went bonkers. They're like, no, don't roll the stone away. He's been dead four days. <laughs> he stinks. Or as John records it, he's been dead four days. By this time, there's a stench. There was no freezing in the morgues and sliding them in and out in the trays. No, no, this is in the middle of the backwaters of Jerusalem. Chuck him in a cave, roll a stone over. My Italian in-laws do this with wood-fired pizza. And I'm telling you, you know, Oh, come on, people. Why is everyone so religious this morning? Religious people, don't come back next week. Hey, okay, religious people, if you want me to help you out, in the King James Version, the one that Shakespeare wrote, it says that he stinketh. There you go, now you're happy. So my call to action question, this is, this is very interesting. We learned about space travel and compasses and now Jesus, one of the seven things he said. I'm enlightened. No, let, me, let me ask you an actual call to action question. Is there anything in your life that stinks? Stinks because it's a dream or a promise or a prayer that seems to you to have gone on four days now. And, and in fact, your way of dealing with it and your way of coping with it is to say, look, let's just keep the stone there, please. Just don't, I didn't even wanna, no, I'm, I'm I wanna encourage 
you, if that's you this morning, you've got something in your life that, that, that was a word from God, a promise from God, and it hasn't happened yet, and you've concluded that it's day four, and that there's no hope, and Jesus inserts himself into the conversation and says, no, I am right now resurrection and life. And his statement and his raising Lazarus from the dead was a demonstration that Jesus specializes in bringing dead things to life. And so what I wanna do this morning in a moment is for those of you that you, you like, yeah, I, I can think of something. I, I'm gonna pray for you. And just to kind of set the scene, I'm actually gonna get you to stand. So we're gonna stand a couple of times this morning. You're gonna feel like you're at a Catholic wedding. Uh, in a moment, I'm get, gonna get you to stand if you want me to pray for you. I know, I'm on, a, I'm on fire this morning. Um, some of you wish that was true, by the way, in a very real sense, because I've called Jesus a horse and uh, there's all sorts of craziness going on this morning. Now, before I do, let me just clarify. There are some things that should stay dead in your life. Two categories of things that should stay dead in your life. Number one, things that you should never have picked up in the first place. Maybe you tried to copy somebody else, not be inspired by them, but actually imitate them. And Jesus said, no, I'd never wanted you to do that in your life. That's not you. That's not who I've created you to be. There's some things. And he says, no, no, just no, leave them. Just leave them. Fine. There are some other things that Jesus does call game over on. And I don't always know why, and I can't therefore explain to you, and you might not always know why, but when you start to learn to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit and does this circumstance line up with the truth of God's Word, then some things, it's like, it's game over. And, and the hope then is that, there's some, there, that there actually is something for you. There actually is something better. Fine. I'm not gonna pray for those things. The things I wanna pray for this morning is the circumstances, the situations, the seasons that you might be in that feel like day four and your, and your memories of them are pain now that, and now that stench follows you around and you would have rather keep the stone in front of the stink. But Jesus says, no, I am right now resurrection and life, and it's not over until I say it's over. And he asked the question, do you believe this? So if that's you, I'm going out on a limb here. Uh, why don't you just stand to your feet if you need some assistance because you've been sitting down for 30 minutes. Uh, someone else help them up. Just stand to your feet. I'm gonna pray for you right here. I'm not, not gonna get, uh, we're not one of those churches full of the, uh, we're called the granola church, full of, uh, Nuts, fruits, and flakes. We're not that church. We're just gonna pray for you right where you are. Um, fantastic, good on you, awesome, great. And we don't know why people are standing, so that's all. That's, and, that's, and that's totally fine, because we aren't the resurrection and the life. Jesus is, and he knows why you're standing. So let me pray for you right now. Those of you that are standing, God, I thank you, I thank you, I thank you, I thank you, I thank you. That this morning, you've br you're bringing things to light. You're bringing things out of the tomb and you're not bringing them out to, to make them worse. You're not bringing them out to remind us of, of pain and loss. You're, you're bringing them out because you want to insert yourself that everything changes when you walk in the room. Everything changes when you declared yourself as being right now resurrection and life. And so God, I pray fresh 
courage, fresh strength, fresh hope, fresh inspiration, uh, fresh vision, fresh truth, fresh revelation for these people standing this morning that this is today is a new day. That yes, there's hope for the future and yes, there's healing for the past. But right now, you are resurrection and life in these situations and these circumstances. And I, and I thank you and I pray in advance of you demonstrating that in your mighty name. Amen. We really hope you got a lot out of this message. If you live in the Perth area, we'd love for you to join one of our live experiences. For times and directions, as well as information, head to our website, elevatechurch.me. For those of you beyond the Perth area, we'd love for you to connect with our online experience, which premieres every Sunday via YouTube and Facebook Live, and on demand immediately after. And to partner with us to reach more people by giving financially, head to our website, elevatechurch.me, and also download our Elevate Church AU app.